0: You are listening to Agent Court Church's audio podcast. For more information on Agent Court Church, including service times, how to connect, and campus locations, please visit our website at onechurch.to. Well,
1: good morning, Agent Court Campus, and welcome to our online viewers. Um, We are starting week one of a three-part series called My Best Year Ever. And over the next three weekends, you're going to hear each weekend three special speakers, uh, sort of a cross-section of our staff, as we unpack what we think would help you to have your best year ever. So let's ask the question, what would it be to make this year a great year for you? If you asked a cross-section of people, I think their answers would probably fall into three areas. Number one answer would be money, money. How many people secretly know or say to you, if I could just win the lottery, yes, that would solve." all my problems, right? Because then I could pay off my student loans, or get a new car, or um, qualify for a mortgage, or get the debt gorilla off my back if I just had more money. That's the answer to what would make this a great year. Okay, the second answer I think many people would give falls in the area of relationships. Usually there is some relationship in their life that's in jeopardy, and if they could repair it, you know, fix the breakup, stop the drama, that would make this a great year. Or for many, they, they pray and hope that this will be my year. This will be the year when Mr. Wright, Miss Wright comes across my path, and oh, that'll just end all my troubles. So money, uh, relationships, third answer usually falls in the area of health. And often there is someone in our lives who just has serious health problems. And if they could be well, wouldn't that just make this a great year? Or it it applies to us personally. If I was healthy, if um, something about my body, if I could change, right? If I could lose the weight or whatever, fix my nose, well, that would just be the answer to what would make this a great year ever. Good answers, and I think most of us would fall in one of those three categories, but we want to suggest to you this weekend one principle, that should you apply to your lives, we believe will make it a great year for you. But just don't take my word, uh, we believe this is what Jesus teaches. So I'm going to invite you, pull out your smartphone, grab your Bibles, and let's go to Matthew 6. Jesus is in the middle of a big talk in Matthew 6, and he has a group of new followers up on a hillside, and he is teaching them that should they choose to follow him, their lives are going to look remarkably different from everyone else around them, and for many of them, it'll be different from the way they had been taught their whole lives. And he starts to talk about Areas that were really common to them. How to pray, fasting, um, what marriage and divorce could look like, anger, your enemies. And in every scenario, he raises the bar. Example, he says... You have heard that you should love your neighbor and hate your enemies, but I'm telling you, no, you should love your enemies. And and Matthew, who's recording this whole event, says that people were literally aghast. They were blown away. They'd never heard anyone talk like Jesus. And as he's beginning to bring this big talk to a close, it's as if he says, okay, lean in, I've laid it out for you what it's gonna look like to be my follower. Here is the bottom line. Don't worry about your life. You have a heavenly Father who loves you. Here's the one thing you should focus on or to use our lingo this morning. Here's the answer to the big question, what would make your life this year the best year ever? And here it is. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. What's he saying? He's saying, prioritize first. Carve out space, make room in your life so that Jesus and his principles are number one. Well, you might say, well, Jan, I live in Toronto. I work full time. I juggle life. How do you propose I do that? I get it. Few of us will have the opportunity to uh, become a monk and live a life of sequestered devotion with a full-time occupation of seeking God. We cannot excuse ourselves from life on this planet. I get that. My life's like that too. Things are clamoring for my attention before I even get out of bed, which means every day I have to purposely decide, Jesus, you're number one how do you want me to do life today i want to make space for you i want to hear your input i want to know your your wisdom and your strength i want to prioritize first you you know jesus taught this but he also modeled it think about this if you read the gospels you will know that jesus had a very full life he had the grooming of his disciples He had um, the crowds who were always in his face. He had enemies that he had to dodge. He had a family on the sidelines. And yet, Jesus made sure that he not only taught this principle, he actually did it himself. Look what Luke writes. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. What was he doing? He was seeking first. Look how Mark records it. Very early in the morning, while dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went to a solitary place where he prayed. What was he doing? He was seeking first the kingdom of God. Jesus, the son of God, did this. He pulled away from the needs and the noise to make sure that his focus was on his heavenly father and that everything else fell into submission to that. So we're on the cusp of 2019, what if instead of trying to juggle everything and fit everything in and keep everything happy, what if you brought it all? The money, the relationship drama, the health concerns, whatever the stuff of life that just is piling up on you, what if you literally brought it all and laid it at the feet of Jesus in submission to him? And as an old scholar says, Let him who is first, have the first. How would this one principle, seek the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, change your life this coming year?
0: Hi everyone, good morning. Um, If you don't know who I am, I'm a newer face here. My name is Gord. I'm the online campus pastor and the young uh, young adults pastor here at One Church TO. So today I'll be sharing about what it means to seek first the kingdom of God. Now, if you think about the language "kingdom of God," it's not something that you and I typically talk about. It's like, hey, how's the kingdom of God? It's not something that we can relate to on a daily basis, right? So what we're going to do is take a little bit of time to unpack um, what the kingdom of God is and and talk about what it means for our own lives. So first of all, the kingdom of God is coming. So in the ancient world, kingdoms are known to expand, divide, and conquer. And you know, during our music worship time, we we sang the song, Our God Reigns, right? The the word that's being used often is reign. It means to take control, have authority over other nations. Now, if you think of it, just imagine this for a moment, okay? You're the army, and you got a king. You're coming after me, right? Your kingdom is coming. And uh, there's typically two responses that happens. Either I protect my own kingdom, okay? Protect my own kingdom, and I get all my bros, all my boys with me, and just like, hey, let's come together. And we fight against this kingdom, okay? That's number one. Or you surrender your kingdom, and you fully embrace the kingdom that's coming to you. That's how we get the saying, if you can't win him, you join him. But here's the thing, there's benefits to uh, embracing this kingdom, okay? Uh, people back then saw that to be part of a kingdom, it means to have protection from the king, but it also means submission um, to the authority of this king and kingdom. People back then saw that protection and obedience goes hand in hand, there, you know, to be part of a kingdom means to obey, but also to have protection. So that's why during Jesus' time, the arrival of God's kingdom meant hope for the people who were displaced, lost, confused, marginalized, impoverished, bullied. Uh, God's kingdom was a solution to their predicament. It, it, it meant love. It meant, it meant provision. It means social acceptance, to be part of things. That's why you see that people who are leprosy and who are blind, they're often social outcasts. But to be accepted to this kingdom of God means I'm part of something much more. Uh, That's why when Jesus first started his ministry, uh, he he told people, guys, it's, it's time to get excited about this kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is at hand, the kingdom of God is near. Stop what you're doing and turn your attention to the kingdom. So how do we know that this kingdom of God is a good place to be part of? How do you know, uh, you know um, that the king would promise and deliver what he says that he's going to protect, care, you know, love us? How do we know that we're not just going to become like Israelites in, in Egypt where we become slaves? So how do you know? The kingdom of God has a king and his name is Jesus. How do you understand the quality of this kingdom? You look at who the king is. The king shapes the kingdom and his name is Jesus. This type of king is different than most kings that we know in the Bible. Typically when you read the Bible, Chronicles Kings, there's a lot of kings and a lot of them are pretty crummy, you know. (laughs) It often explains that a lot of these kings were corrupted, they were evil in the eyes of the Lord, You know, they they had their own selfish agendas and they would violently push it onto other nations. But you look at who this King Jesus is. Just think about a moment. The King of the Universe, like what Pastor Jonathan mentioned last week during Christmas Eve service. He chose to be born into a refugee family who was not rich, who was poor. He was born in a, a smelly manger of a barn, or a barn of a manger. And um, in, instead of being introduced on a, in, a, in a shining armor on a stallion, he chooses to be introduced on a, on a donkey. Instead of winning people over uh, by inflicting pain and violence on them, he chooses to love, heal, and forgive. He puts others' needs before his own, even to the point of sacrificing himself for mankind. Now, here's the thing. I don't have all the answers to this kingdom of God. I don't have a full picture of what this kingdom of God, this kingdom is going to look like. But when I look at who the king is, I know what type of kingdom I'm going to be part of. And I I say, sign me up. So, here's the thing. I talked a little bit about what this kingdom is like, what this king is like. Why should we care about this? You know, it's going to happen later, right? You know, I have a small illustration here. So I have... uh, some of my treasures here, okay? This is my basket. If this basket is my life, okay, what's in your basket? What's in your life right now? What occupies most of your time and thoughts? You know, and I, I got some good things happening for me here, right, oh, check this out, you know? I got my work, right? By the way, I'm not a construction worker, but that's what I can find right now. But for some of us, you know, work is super fulfilling and it's meaningful. You know, I finally found whatever I need to be doing. It's so good for my life. Let's see what else I got here. I got a picture frame. Represents my family. Now, this is not my family. <laughs> uh, I can't find a 4 by 6 guys. We don't, we don't do those anymore, right? We have Instagram and stuff. So check out my Instagram if you want to know more about my personal and family. Anyways. Uh, You know, I have, for some of us, we have family, we have children, it it brings so much joy in our lives. You know, I have a wife that it's one of the best things that ever happened to me. You know, life is good, right? And then you you got your possessions too, right? So I got a a Toyota, a 2010 Toyota Matrix. And you know, it's so good. Know why? Because after eight years, every time I turn on the ignition without fail, guaranteed it turns on. Right? That's so good. I can trust in that, right? So, my life is pretty good. So, but here's the thing why do I need to submit to this authority if my life is so good right now? Right? It can be bad. There might be some good things that are happening in your life, there might be some bad things that are happening in my life. In light of this uh, morning's passage in Matthew 6, Jesus is speaking to the people who are anxious. And worried about their own lives. It's the kind of stuff that keeps you up at night, what, what keeps you up at night. So to be completely honest, my life here, I don't have this all together. Regardless of good for bad, I don't have it all together. That's why Matthew 6 says, "When we put some of these good things as ultimate things in our lives, it brings us worry and anxiety. But here's the good news, guys. The good news is the kingdom of God is coming. One day, you know, the kingdom of God will occupy and reign over this world physically. It's going to be a whole new world, a new fantastic point of view. Okay? It's going to be great, guys. You know, everything we'll see will be different. But right now, God reigns in our hearts and He changes and transforms us. So, And when we look at the kingdom of God that way in our own lives, how we see our tribulations, our problems, our worries would be different. We see that as like, God, you are helping me and preparing me for this kingdom of God. Jesus is saying in Matthew 6 that there is a Father in heaven who loves you, okay? He is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, and you don't need to worry about life because we have a Father you can trust in, and he's worthy of that. In 2018, I lost um, a good friend of mine. She was like a spiritual mom to me, but I remember a month before she passed away, I went to the hospital to visit her. You know, she, she, and you gotta understand, that she's this type of woman who is brings so much joy, she's always gathering people together, bringing us, a bunch of us, at the time, a bunch of, stuff, of us university students in her home, with her family, with her husband, and, we, and it was so good. But when I saw her in the hospital bed, she was weak and frail. But here's the thing. Despite her weakness, despite her, you know, she was about to die soon, she was still willing and she was still able to encourage and profess the name of Jesus. You know, I would share about, man, my my sister came to Christ after 13 years of prayer and you guys, your family prayed for us. And I was like... Like what Pastor Jan says, 2019, he's like, oh man, pray for God. She lost her, she's losing her health, but she was able to be confident in the kingdom of God. You know, we sang songs together, you know, it was so beautiful. Despite what's going on, the good or for bad, we can say, I can put God first. When I see my friend, that is an example of someone who could put God first despite what's going on. So how do we not worry about life? You seek first the kingdom of God. That's another way of saying stop looking at your own direction for meaning, but start looking from his perspective and let the values of the kingdom shape our own lives. Can we surrender our control of our own lives to the authority of this king and his kingdom and let that dictate our own lives? So, how do we seek first the kingdom of God this coming new year? Can I make some suggestions? If you're I young adult, just come out to retreat in January. <laughs> Seriously, like, you know, we'll talk afterwards. We'll hook, connect with me. But can I make two suggestions? First of all, uh, surrender our control over to his control. Okay? If you haven't done that already, this is an invitation that if this life, for good or for bad, is worrying you and is bringing you anxiety, give up your control over to him. And number two, get to know what the kingdom of God is all about, okay? Spend, can I, can I suggest, take this next season of life to fall in love with this good news, who, fall in love with the king and his kingdom all over again, Right? When, when we read the Bible, and this is my suggestion is read the Bible, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and go through the Gospels, not for information. This is what um, Rabbi Zacharias from, from Rexdale Alliance says. You don't read the Bible for information. You read the Bible to get to know a person, okay? And, 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 and just understand, let, let, those, uh, let everything that you know about him shape your values and line your thoughts with his. That's my encouragement to you. So I hope you guys have a happy new year and let's all, um, um, yes, I forgot my point. (laughs) Uh, Let's all seek seek first the kingdom of God together. Thank you guys so much.
2: Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek his righteousness. How many of you like a good story? You like a good story? I have one for you this morning. There's a group of gentlemen, fishermen, who were sitting in a Scottish inn uh, having lunch and talking about all the great fishing exploits that they had. And one of the gentlemen sitting there decided to tell his friends just how big a fish he caught. And as he stretched out his arms, he accidentally bumped the waitress as she was going by and knocked over a pot of tea. And the tea splashed onto this freshly painted, white painted wall. The innkeeper came over and he took a look at it and he decided that there's no way for the stain to be removed. That he's going to have to repaint the wall again. And just as he was figuring this out, another gentleman stood up and walked over and said to him, "If you would let me, sir, let me work on this stain. And if I can improve it, you won't have to uh, change. You won't have to paint the wall. But if I can't, then you can go ahead and paint it." The innkeeper agreed. And so the man went, got a box, took out pencils, took out brushes, took out paint, began to draw into the stain different lines, took out his paint, and began to brush color into it. And when he was finished, he signed his name at the bottom, paid for his meal, and he left. The innkeeper came over to take a look, and he was astonished at this incredible painting that was now on his wall. And he turned to everyone in the inn, and he said, does anybody know who this man is? He signed his name, E." H. Lansier. Sir Edwin Lansier was a famous wildlife painter of the 19th century whose probably one of his most famous paintings is this one, The Monarch of the Glen. It's an interesting story, isn't it? Sometimes we have stains in our lives that we wish we could just get rid of, don't we? Perhaps it's a past relationship Perhaps it's a bad decision that we've made. Perhaps it is a a frustration with the current state of affairs of our lives. Perhaps it's a disappointment that you wish you could just erase. I think it's this kind of disappointment that drives us to make New Year's resolutions, right? I've often said this, that the best New Year's resolution is not to make a New Year's resolution. Because if you don't make it, you can't break it. But Jesus said... To seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. What he was really saying is it was a declaration of victory. Just like Pastor Gore just said a moment ago, the word kingdom is not a, a word that we commonly use every day. It's not something that we are familiar with. Maybe in video games, even righteousness is not something that we often talk about, it often becomes blurred in the society that we live in Jesus words means though when he says to us seek his righteousness what it means is that he wants us to overcome our failures but he doesn't expect us to do it on our own he wants to come and he wants to take the stains and the disappointments of your life and not merely erase them but turn them into things of beauty If the definition of rightness is this, to bring into or restoring something that is out of line and making it straight, if that's the definition of rightness, then what is unique about God's righteousness? I want to suggest two things to you this morning. First one is this. What is unique about God's righteousness is that his righteousness is an attribute of himself. What this means is, is that The Bible teaches us that God is righteous. It means that what he is, what he thinks, what he says, what he plans, what he does is perfect righteousness. Here's the second thing. Righteousness is the hope of God. And what that means is this, is that when we discover in ourselves that maybe we lack a little bit of rightness, our lives are a little bit twisted, broken, that sometimes we discover that there isn't a lot of goodness in us. We can go to God because God has more than enough goodness and righteousness in himself for all of us. That is our hope, that he is what we cannot be for ourselves. The story of creation tells us that human beings are made in the image of God. Now, before you decide to pull out your phone, and pull up a camera app and take a look at yourself. What that means is this. It means that the character and the righteousness of God is to be evident in all human behavior. Now, in spite of the fact that you go to the cinemas and watch superhero movies, there are aspects of God's attributes that are not evident in our lives. For example, God is all-powerful and we are not Superman, right? God is all-knowing, and we are not. God is everywhere present. We are not. God has no beginning, but we all have birthdays. However, God is love, and he expects us to possess and express love in the appropriate ways all the time. God is kind and gentle. He expects his people to be kind and gentle. In other words, we are made to reflect the righteous image of God in the outward expressions of our lives. But there's a challenge to this. And the challenge is that just an outward expression of righteousness is not enough. If all we are doing is, is trying to express outwardly something good, that is really just another word for self-righteousness. Someone once said that self-righteousness is nothing more than unrighteousness dressed up to look like righteousness. In other words, simply resolving to make changes in our lives is not enough to take the stains and the disappointments of our lives and turn them into something right. Righteousness does not begin with acts of doing. It's so common for us to think that if, boy, if we could just do enough good things, right? If we could just be good in the stuff that we do, then we would be good. But the point that Jesus was trying to make here is that when we seek God's righteousness, doing does not produce being, but being produces doing. Real change happens in our lives when we we become outward expressions of what's really happening on the inside. When we begin to focus on becoming the right person, not just any person, not just what social media may suggest that you ought to be, or not just what the world may pressure you into becoming, but the right person. The person that God created you to be, it enables you to do the right things with the right attitude, and our stains and disappointments become works of art in the hands of God. So this morning, I want to give you three steps to becoming that right kind of person. Are you ready for this? Here's the first step I want you to consider, to learn. If you can take anything away out of this into 2019, take this one. Seek to understand the promises of God and apply them to your life. This does not mean that you won't experience genuine pain or or fear or sadness. Too often when we do, we take the promises of God and we try to use them like they're a magic wand, right? Right? If I'm going through pain, boy, if I could just repeat that promise of God enough times, maybe I can make that pain go away. Maybe I can make that fear or that sadness go away. And when that fails, there's a tendency for us to step back and go, wow, God has not heard me, and I must not deserve his goodness. Or we blame God, and we go, obviously, God is not who he said he was because he didn't take care of my problems. But the Apostle Paul said this, Romans chapter 5, he said... Belief in God's promises do not shield us from pain, but rather it redeems the pain for something good. In other words, it shapes righteousness into our character. So if we can begin to do something in this new year coming, begin to learn to understand the promises of God and to apply them. Secondly, lean in. Become familiar with the presence of God. You see, the less that we are in God's word, then the less that the Bible will become applicable to us or seem applicable to us. If we lose our desire for the things of God, then it shouldn't be by surprise that we struggle to feel or sense God's presence within our lives. All of us in this room, we crave food. We crave sleep. We crave exercise. It's just as vital for us that we have regular intake of scripture and of worship because it's, it's in worship, it's in the presence of God that righteousness is shaped into our lives. So we need to learn. We need to lean in. But here's the third one. We also need to listen. We need to become familiar with the priorities of God. Now, Pastor Gord and Pastor Jan have done this really well and they've talked about some of the things that we actually prioritize into our lives. If you were to make a list of what you think would be God's priorities for your life, what would it be? What do you think it would be? Would it be the money, or the family, or the children, or the career, or the self-image? Are these the things that God would consider as priority for us? The answer is actually given in 2 Peter chapter 3. And this is what Peter said, he said that God is patient with you. He does not want anyone to be lost. That's a priority for God. But here's the key. It goes on to say, he wants all people to change our hearts and our lives. That's a priority. People are a priority to God. You are a priority to God. C.S. Lewis once said that as Christians, we are not called to think less of ourselves, but to think of ourselves less we're to prioritize that there are other things that are more important and when we begin to prioritize people into our lives and people above ourselves it helps us to get out of that quicksand of our own self-pity and help us to realize that we are not alone in our challenges so 2019 how do you begin to know that you are becoming the right person God spoke the answer to Isaiah in chapter 32. Here's what he said. He said that the work of righteousness will be peace. If you're going through the, the year and you find yourself in conflict all the time and always fighting and always agitated and always struggling and feeling uh, just unsettled, perhaps we need to take a step back and begin to learn and lean in and begin to, to sense the priorities of God and what they are. Chapter 32 goes on to say that the effect of righteousness will be quiet confidence. In other words, there can be chaos going on around us, but we can be assured that because of God's righteousness, there is peace within our lives. There's a quiet confidence. You see, as we learn to apply God's promises to our lives, we will find that our character is being shaped into the right kind of character. As we lean into the presence of God's grace, we will find that our hearts are being shaped into the right kind of attitude. And as we listen and purposefully serve God's priorities, we will find that our stains and disappointments are being shaped into beautiful works of righteousness. I want you to remember something this morning. This is what I want you to remember. Becoming the right person enables you to do the right things with the right attitude. Can I get you to do something for me? Repeat this with me, will you? Let's say it together. Becoming the right person enables you to do the right things with the right attitude.
1: Thank you, Pastor Dennis. Okay, so here's the principle this weekend. Prioritize first, prioritize first. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and the verse ends with what should lift the heart of every worrying heart here this morning. It ends with this. He will give you everything you need. Everything that those disciples sitting up on the hillside were fretting about, and and Jesus knew, the stuff of life, right? What am I going to wear? What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? The very real realities that they needed to deal with, Jesus knew that that was on their mind. And so he says, if you prioritize me first, God's kingdom values and his ways, you can know that he will graciously take on that responsibility of taking care of you. We get it all mixed up. We focus on all these things, right? Because they're always in our face. Uh, The pressures and deadlines and decisions, they are not going away. When you wake up on Tuesday morning and it's January 1st, isn't it interesting that they're still there? It could feel like a, a group of boxing day shoppers stationed at the door of your heart. And before you even get your morning coffee, they are pounding and waiting for you to wake up so you can have their attention. And you don't know who, to, who or what to deal with first. But you know, Jesus is always also out in the lineup. But he's not pushing and he's not shoving. He's just looking at us with the greatest of compassion, saying, child, I have every resource available for you. Let's you and I do life together today. What if we said, Jesus, up front, please, put him first, right at the top of the line. Focus on life stuff, and you'll end up more stressed. Surrender more and more, and more and more. And I don't think we ever get to the end of surrender. I was talking to one gal and I said, you know, uh, we we grow this far in our faith and then there's a whole bunch more that we're going to grow. It's it's the the journey, the, the long obedience in the same direction. And part of that journey is always going to be steps of surrender. But the more that you do that, the more that you put Jesus and his ways and his kingdom values that Gordon Dennis have talked about the more you can be assured he's got your back uh, i read this great quote and this this author said god has not forgotten the recipe for manna isn't that great he generously and graciously always provided for your cho- for his children and that includes everyone who would put their trust in him so What if you were to put Jesus first this year? A Dallas Willard says this, if your life as usual has not been fertile ground in which change can be brought, then life as usual must go. So where does life as usual need to change up for you this year? It's amazing, and and I have discovered this, and many of you here have too, that when you put Jesus first, When you surrender the stuff of life to him, the control, um, it's amazing how things fall in their rightful place, his way, his timing, for his glory, and ultimately for our very best good. So what could 2019 look like if we prioritized first? I want us to conclude today by reading three declarations together that I think could provide a reset button for you every day because, you know, you're probably like me. I hear some great truths, and by the time I finished lunch, I don't know, they just sort of wiggled away, and I've forgotten them. So we need those reset buttons. Let's read this aloud together, shall we? I will prioritize Jesus today in my thoughts, actions, and affections. Secondly, The world will be different and better because I serve Jesus today. I I, I allowed his kingdom values to impact my life. And lastly, I am in right standing with Jesus. I choose to do the right things with the right attitude. And I know we won't get it perfect all the time, but if we would prioritize him first, you know what I think will happen? This could be your best year ever. Can I pray with you before we go? So Lord Jesus, here we are. Um, We're not much different than that group of disciples who were up on that hillside listening to you. And we too are amazed at your words to us. And Father, you know us so well. You know the areas of life that we wanna cling to because we think we know best. And I pray, Lord, that as you've been talking to people through this whole service, would you help those who are maybe struggling with just surrendering full control to you? Would you help them to do it? Would you help them to sense how much they are loved and cared for? And Father, would you just let them know that there will not be a minute of 2019, but that you will be with them to give them every strength every resource possible to make this the best year ever, not only for them, but for their impact, for your glory in this world. Do what I pray in Jesus' name.
0: Make sure you don't miss a message by subscribing to this podcast. All creative content and production for this podcast is provided by the One Church Creative Team.